0: But it's it's just little little pieces of understanding that sometimes you know it, it's not going to be 100% perfect, and you have to deal with that, and you just you're dealing with it just that little bit better. I don't think the stress goes, or that you stop caring or trying. You just you just manage that all a little bit better, or you understand it a little bit better that it's a bit out of your control.
1: Welcome to episode ten of Site to Studio. Episode ten now. Uh, today we're joined by Alan Elberg uh, from GIA Renovations. Um, I think just to start, could you tell us what is GIA?
0: What do you guys do? Just a short,
1: compact snippet.
0: Sure. So I guess we're we're a builder, um, but we're also an interior design company. Um, so we've got our own in-house interior designers and. Um, we specialize in residential renovations, mainly bathrooms and kitchens. Um, although we do, you know, quite often the rest of the home as well, but I mean, that's sort of the, the majority of our work. So, yeah, we design the spaces and then we build them. Sometimes we work with other designers as well, but majority of the work we do, we design ourselves as well. Um, yeah, just a start to finish service effectively.
1: Yeah. So, uh, turnkey solution for dance uh, a turnkey design and construct solution for the homeowner wanting to renovate
0: yeah typical clients just like a homeowner you know they're mm. sick of their kitchen they just want a simple solution we come in design it and we can be building it fairly soon after that like depending on how busy we are and, and yeah they don't really have to organize anything but contact us
1: yeah and so, it was if we go back to the origin of GIA, was it always a design and construct service or product, or was it totally something totally different?
0: No, yeah, totally. Well, I mean, really, the origin of GIA is my dad had a development company. Um, this is before I was even really doing anything, and it was called GIA Developments, and so he did property development, um, you know, townhouse construction, new home construction, uh, apartment Construction. And then when I started the renovation company, I just used the GIA to keep the brand going and honestly was struggling to find another name that <laughs> that I could really use. Um, but, yeah, when, when, we, when we started, we definitely didn't have any designers on board at all. Um, it was just me sketching something up on the wall as I was talking to the client basically and it was just sort of pretty simple. Uh, it was just. Know, very basic renovations compared to what we do now
1: right so at the start it was uh still sort of design and construct but the design component of it was certainly not as strong or as emphasized as it is
0: today. Yeah. yeah i mean they were just you know i guess you imagine what a low budget renovation is today where someone just wants to spruce up their renovation like they don't even think about getting a designer on board right they're just mm. going to call up like the local tradie and go hey i need a new bathroom and you just kind of work it out together with them, you know. Yeah. So um, we would only do maybe one job at a time. I'd be there pretty much every day, overseeing things that are happening, talking with the trades, and we just kind of work it out as we went, you know. Um, yeah. So it was very. I mean, they were, yeah, they were pretty simple renovations um, compared to the custom stuff that we would do today on a, on a renovation.
1: Yeah. Um. So fast forward today, could you? Just describe what the product is and what that customer journey looks like.
0: So, I like to call the product the the red carpet service of renovating. So, you know, a customer will inquire with us about wanting to have a renovation. Someone from the design team basically goes out to see them and just discuss, you know, what they're looking to have done, um, provide them with a quote for the work. um, And if they're happy with all that, they go into the design phase with us, where sometimes we might spend You know, it could be a month, could be a few months, just creating the design that they want. just depends how elaborate the design is, how big the project is, and also probably how decisive the client is. You know, sometimes it just takes a long time to get to a decision. Um, And then essentially we then will do the whole construction from start to finish, and we've got, you know, our own management team that oversee the whole construction. And then like literally until we send in a cleaner at the end and then they can
1: use the space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, how do you find that um like the DNC model, the design construct model, how does that stack up against your more traditional design build, design bid build, and sort of wet like because I'm sure you feel like your model is more consumer centric for a lot of your clients. yeah, but, but why?
0: Um, look, I think there's firstly, like there's a different market between people who want to go out and get an architect designed um, renovation. Um, you know, and sometimes it's just the scale of the project, like a larger project, you know, you typically go and get, you know, an architect or building designer, get that done and then tender it out. For these smaller renovations where you know, you're talking about jobs that are maybe sometimes forty, fifty thousand dollars um it's not really even like economical or feasible for a client to engage um like an actual architect or someone, to to do it so, um, for us it, it was just sort of a natural progression because I was already going there and giving people design advice effectively. I was getting better at it as I went on, but I'm definitely not a designer, mm. and we just found that we were basically doing so much design that, without really being design professionals, that we needed our own in house design team. Um, and for us, it's like a hundred times smoother if our design team. Has worked on the project and we're building it then if we have to work with someone else just because it's all in-house and it's just such a smooth transition you know because the design team knows our construction team they know what they want and how they want things drawn and presented so it it works really really well um, for us
1: well i mean from from a architectural joiner perspective i mean that's something that i think about a lot is even if you do design and construct that's rather elaborate. You can almost create products that you can scale and create systems around. Um, whereas if you're just building whatever which architect has designed, there's just no way to to build any system around. Mm. And so I mean, with architectural joiners, I mean how many cabinet makers are there doing high end architectural joinery doing more than six million dollars a year or something. Mm. You know, it's just not a scalable product. Yeah. Whereas I mean, I've seen obviously we've all seen some of your work. It it looks beautiful, it looks um, if you stack it against sort of your architectural projects you know you can certainly see you know they're quite comparable Mm. but you've created something that i'm guessing is a lot more scalable and you can create systems around because you have that in-house design team
0: yeah look i'd say yes yes and no because sometimes i look at the business and go like it's such a difficult industry to scale in just because on the one hand we're doing we're trying to implement processes that allow us to scale and yeah we might have our own in-house design team which makes things um, a bit smoother but at the same time we're the builder on a renovation when you renovate every project you've got a, a new surprise basically it doesn't matter how many times you do it you know you, you learn what to expect and that you think oh you know we're likely to come across this on this project but um you're always thrown surprises when you're Once you're in the construction phase of it, just because you don't really know what you're working with, then that's really hard um, to put in, in place systems and processes that really allow you to scale, you know? So, I mean, we have put a really good system in place and I guess we've got, we do quite a lot of renovations, but it's at the same time, it's actually still something that's very challenging for us finding ways to improve on our processes because of that.
1: Right. Can we just go a little bit into what those pain points are? Like, is it is it people? Is it the, uh, so is it HR? Is it the sort of unpredictable elements from site to site? What What, what is it? like?
0: Yeah, I think a- one is unpredictable elements from site to site. Um, you know, we can, firstly, most of the projects that we're doing, they're on fairly short timeframes. You know, like for example, a stock standard bathroom renovation shouldn't call it stock standard because they're still pretty elaborate, but like a standard bathroom renovation. We try and start and finish within five weeks, the whole construction. So that's not a – it's a long time, but it's not a long time, right, when you think about most construction projects. So we've got work happening every single day, and essentially we should be able to schedule out that entire job before we even start. But, like, it's so, it's so common that you start the job second day yeah. dealing with, you know, um a subfloor that needs Mm. to be replaced because someone's built something so dodgy or you found, you know, some dodgy plumbing that you weren't planning to replace. You know, there's just constantly these variations that happen at the very start of a job, which are a little bit different, I suppose, to when you just maybe knock down a house and build it from ground up. You know, you still have problems to deal with, but generally much longer time frame and you can kind of um it's not going to be like day after you started and it's throwing your whole schedule out. Um. So yeah, and I guess also in smaller renovations, quite a lot of the time the people that we're working with the contractors, although we work with the same team, like we don't, you know, we try and build a, a group of people that we constantly use and we reuse, so they know our processes. There's still majority of them are small businesses. The guys that aren't um our are direct employees, and you know, they don't have endless resources. So like for say right now is a really crazy time of the year. There's a lot of backlog from the lockdown right like everyone i don't know what your lead times are like but the lead times that i'm dealing with are even worse than the usual christmas lead times and every day there's a problem where someone didn't get something done that they were planning to get done and they've got you know a lot of commitments and it's not a big company where they've just got 100 staff members to go hey stay there for an extra day right like mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way so um those are those are the, the things that we're still battling with when we're doing these smaller
1: renovations so what do you do to address – so there's the uncertainty in the site condition and then there's the crunch on labour resources right now. So what – I mean, I'm guessing good site management picks up a lot of that slack or good good planning?
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I guess we, we try and constantly learn as well from from the things that we see. So, you know, you, you know you're know, you renovating a particular a type of property or even before you start demolishing it, you know, you're obviously doing a building inspection. You're looking for signs of – you know you know i mean asbestos is quite easy to te- to test for but you know you might be checking whether you think the floor is going to need to be replaced if you can pick that up before demolition great and you just allow extra time for it um but yeah i mean also the 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 ones where we suspect things are going to go go um go wrong like that we just allow more time in the schedule you know in case it happens so that we're not having to reshuffle the whole schedule um so we just try and plan for it as much as we can yeah uh but we're also just running a lot of sites at the same time and so Mm. it's it's quite a lot of management to to make that all run smoothly yeah it's changing every day
1: so could you just go into a little bit so what does the organizational structure look like yeah and how many jobs are you guys running at, at one time and sort of who's doing which department's doing
0: what yeah so i guess we've got um Typically, we start two renovations per week um, on average, and we we usually end up running about 20 to 25 jobs at a time uh, at different stages. Um, there's obviously myself. Uh, we, we've got a design team, which has got uh, three interior designers mm-hmm. and one technical draftsman, so they're just detailing all of our plans so they're absolutely perfect, and then the three interior designers, I suppose, are, you know, going out to see clients,
1: bringing in. Do new the work. interior designers double as sales, sales yeah. people yeah. as well? Yeah. The,
0: the, the like they, they obviously the, when you go out to see someone for the first time, you're effectively a salesperson. Mm-hmm. Once they they go with you, you know, and they want you to do the job, then you can do the fun design stuff but, with it. But them. they're
1: responsible for a lot of the customer experience and the customer
0: in the design phase, definitely. Yeah, right in that initial phase. Yeah, okay. exactly. They, they sell they sell us as a company. Mm-hmm. You know they they have to go there and say i mean we're not we're definitely not the cheapest we provide a a premium service with what we do um so they need to be the ones that you know explain to people like why what are you getting by working with gia that's different to if i just called up the plumber in the newspaper and they're going to give me a price for the renovation because it would be very different to what our price is going to be um and you know they need to build that rapport with that client and the client wants them to be the designer that's going Mm -hmm. to you know work with them on this project so that's the design team. And then we've got a, the construction team, which has got two, two site supervisors and an operations manager um, and a construction manager. So the site supervisors are allocated to jobs and they oversee all the jobs and talk to the clients throughout the project. The operations manager sort of doing a whole lot of everything, you know, helping, helping the, the site supervisors, organizing um, before we start the job, you know, helping with ordering throughout the job and you know helping with trades just just doing a whole bunch of things and and a construction manager overseeing and and assisting the group you know with anything they need whether it's you know there's a lot of queries that might come up during during renovations as to like what's the best way to tackle this particular scenario and just making sure that the workmanship is to the standard that we want
1: All right so uh 2025 jobs at once starting to a week with uh, yourself Uh, and then under you there's a design team and construction team design team is three three designers and a technical draft and four of them four of them and then the on the construction team we have two site supervisors a construction manager and an operations manager so one one particular area that i sort of want to focus in is what glues like what's that collaboration between the design and construction look like how does that how do you take it from design to construction How do they inform each other and how do they work together because i think that's a that's extremely crucial
0: well i mean like firstly as a company we try to have a very um you know just we're we're a close knit team so it's not separate by any means either besides the fact that they're sitting in two separate rooms next to each other but you know everyone's very close they all talk and they communicate just openly throughout the job so um there's a lot of communication in general um but more from a formal perspective you know whenever a, a designer has uh signed up a job or has been told that a job's going to proceed the, the first step in the process is that someone from the construction team will carry out a building inspection with them basically go through the job with them and what's planned see if there's maybe anything that they've missed you know they haven't realized that we're going to have to do some some other work that they may not have thought about um and then b- before we Uh, when we get to the end of the design phase and before we start construction they always have a bit of a handover meeting where they go through all the plans in detail together the designer basically presents the project to our construction team and says here's the plans Um, and they go and they go through it in, in great detail and and we have a lot of notes on our plans that you wouldn't see typically on on other plans that are basically there for us because
1: you're you're incentivized to make the documentation yeah. easy to build yeah
0: <laughs> and like over the years you know i always sort of said it doesn't matter how silly or obvious something is like we'll have an issue come up on site i'll just go All right, how do we avoid this next time put a note literally explaining what was the issue and it and what do we need to do to avoid it you know so they've become very and they've developed a lot of the years. like i mean if i look at our plans today versus what <laughs> we used to do and i was like this is you know worlds apart but the guys it's so easy for them to find all the information on there but yeah they have this handover where the designer who spent you know could be a month two months three months with a client and they they go through each page of the plans they'll explain them and there's certain things you still need to talk about it and it's easier to talk about it than it is to rely Mm -hmm. on someone to pick it up in the plans especially if you've got little details you know about you know, the, the client, this particular client really, really wants a full tile here, or they really mm-hmm. want this to be symmetrical. You know, like the, the stuff they still discuss mm-hmm. and they take notes. So they go through it. Um, and then for every job, the designer is at the job start. So the day that we start the job, they meet with that supervisor on site as well. And they go through the job again. And the client sometimes there as well. And they just do a little bit of a walkthrough together as the job starts um and then the designer will also come out at various stages throughout the job you know and they'll just have a look yeah. at the progress they might see something and go oh you know maybe you need to adjust this a little bit or so what
1: that sounds like is um if we think about a venn diagram just a lot of overlap and over communication between the two teams yeah and and shared learning yeah uh, and and that's how you mitigate the risks of things going wrong and yeah especially over time, develop that system around how they work together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just try and have open lines of communication. I can tell you now, like, between the amount of work they're doing, how busy we are, like, there's always still little things that might come up and, mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess you're speaking of people in construction, I don't think anyone's going to tell you that, you know, <laughs> construction happens without problems and, and mistakes. you know? Not so a single just, day, yeah. Yeah, Probably. so yeah. we just uh, uh, try and reduce, reduce that and, and work together. So that, you know, we have minimal issues to deal with, I guess. Mm.
1: Um, I want to ask you about the sort of the retail customer or like the mum and dad, the homeowner type, type customer. Yeah. So just a little bit of background. I um, I actually worked, um, so my, my dad runs a, a joinery factory as well. Okay. And his business partner runs the Miss and Mr. Kitchen showrooms. Okay. Yeah. I've big heard orange about. buildings. Yeah. So I actually sold kitchens with them part time for about a year and dealing with, I'm probably a similar clientele to to who you guys work with. Okay. And um I found the customer education sort of experience um I guess a little challenging sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um I think I mean I, I from from looking at, at you guys I think your brand solves some of that problem yep. because you your leads automatically sort of filter themselves out to to an extent. Yeah. But how do you you, you get it like you understand what i'm getting at
0: yeah i guess is, is the question more about um finding the customers that suit our business or more to do with customers well just just educate the whole- yeah
1: i mean even the the best customer you know they're not in this in the industry you're not working with a builder or, yeah. or it's not an architect running the job yeah do you find that customer education or sort of feel or that that The scenario of asymmetric information between yourself and the client does that create any issues for
0: you guys i mean i think there's sort of two stages when you talk about that right like we get a lot of leads a lot of people contacting us about renovations and i can tell you majority of them actually aren't really suited for what we do and we go through a pretty thorough process of discussing what it is we do and whether we're the right fit for those clients can we Sorry, can
1: we do a little role play for how that qualifying process works? <laughs> sure. So yeah. if I'm hey, hey guys, I've I've got a home in uh uh in in, in Bentley yeah. um and I like to do a kitchen bathroom renovation. Yep. Um would you guys be a good fit for what I'm after?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean the first question we ask yeah. is, are you looking at doing a complete renovation? Meaning are we removing everything and starting again? Uh, because that's the most common thing that comes up. Someone calls us up and they want to renovate their kitchen, which means to them, I want a new oven, or mm. I want a new splashback, or mm. I want a new shower screen, or mm. I just don't like my bath and I want a shower. Mm. Right? So, yeah, the very first question is always, Are you actually looking to do a complete renovation, which means removing everything and starting again? Yeah. Right. Um. So yes, I'd like to do yeah. that. <laughs> uh, and then from there, we would ask, um, just a bit about you know their property you know mm. you're living in you know what sort of a home mm. obviously where your property is located because that's another thing we we don't have unlimited resources to just go to any suburb mm. so it also depends on location um yeah we're, we're trying to find out uh whether they're looking at the design aspect. And, and we, we do ask them if they've maybe been to our website first mm. and if, whether they understand what our company is. If they don't understand, then we go into explaining that we're a design and construct company. Mm. Um, I mean, firstly, some people just don't want that. And ultimately, you are going to pay us for that service, right? Mm. So I guess if you feel like you don't want to design and construct, uh, you should know that you're, you're effectively paying for it. Um, and then the big question is investment level and mm. whether you realistically understand what sort of financial commitment you need to make mm. to do this kind of renovation. So those are the main the main things. We need to basically establish that you know, property is somewhere that we would renovate, they're doing a complete renovation, they want our services that we're offering, and they understand realistically what the investment level is for something like that.
1: Do you have any issues with clients around the perception of the value of design? um look and and, and the uncertainty of the construction cost until design is complete
0: um i feel like over the years it's less and less an issue for us because i I do think that people are doing it's so easy to access information and i feel like you know we do a pretty good job at showing people online what we do and that there's a design aspect to it so i think more and more the clients that come to us that are serious, they've seen that we what we do and they want that that from they us. They want
1: the premium turnkey solution. Yeah,
0: and they yeah. want the designer they like that. Um it's still, yeah, it's hard because we really are basically not providing them with definitive pricing until we the design, and we're not doing the design until they sign up with us. So there's a lot of trust that needs to happen between the designer, the client, explaining how our process is quite transparent, which you know, it is, but at the same time, you know, it, it is still sometimes a challenge for certain clients that I guess they're maybe on the cusp of um can we afford these guys or not type of you know, the, you know, some clients we have a effectively I'll call it like an open checkbook client. They want what they want and that's what they're gonna get. And it's not a worry. And some people really want this premium renovation and want to use our services, but they're probably, you know, stretching it to to make that investment, you know, and for them, I get it, you know, and we have to we have to do our job in um, explaining how our process is transparent. I mean, we don't want to lead people down that road anyway if it's not for them, you know, and and then we also then have a duty of ensuring that what we've sort of told them that, you know, that we're able to work with their budget. You know, we've got to do the right thing by them as well. So
1: the so the way that you sort of operate is uh you sort of work out with the client what the scope is, work out what their budget is. Give them some sort of high level understanding of what it might cost, given their, given the scope, and given your experience from based on your company's experience, and then a design fee that's attached to that. Yeah, is that that sort of how it works? Yeah, essentially. I mean, yeah. we,
0: we we do give them a a fixed quote, if you like. There's just mm. allowances for the unknowns. Okay, so just P, essentially PC. Yeah, sucks. you know, like if we. Mm. I can come to your house and have a discussion with you. And I know from what I'm discussing with you that your joinery is going to be around 35 grand, for example, or 40 grand, but I can't tell you if it's 42 or 37, right? I just don't know yet whether it's going to be two pack or laminate or whether half of it's going to be two pack, you know, there's these little things, but I know it's not going to be 20 grand, right? I know it's pretty yeah, close. It's not going to be on, 80.
1: It's not going to be 20. Yeah.
0: You know, like yeah. based on our past jobs, I can mm-hmm. give you, um, you know, like within five to 10% of mm-hmm. what it should be. Um, And I guess what we always tell clients is they get it that there are these allowances. And when they do sign up, you know, you're having a discussion with the clients anyway. And they usually tell you that either, like, you know, you're having a discussion with the client. And sometimes they'll basically say to you, look, we really don't want to spend any more. And then you, as the designer or salesperson, Mm -hmm. know, well, it's my job to now create a design that suits these allowances like i can't go and give them a quote that has thirty five thousand dollars for their joinery Mm. they tell me that and then i come back with joinery that's worth 60 grand right then i haven't really done my job so um yeah it just works works like that they work together effectively some some clients we just provide them with options as well and go look you want this 45 you're gonna have to bump budget up a bit or you know you know keep it at laminate or something and it's going to be thirty five, and and they do that, and they and they get to make that choice themselves.
1: Yeah. Um. Can we talk a little about a little bit about marketing brand and sort of what's um. I think I think for a lot of people, you know, for someone who seems very thoughtful like yourself, I think brand probably ties in with sort of your overall goals for the project as for the company as well. Mm. So maybe we start there. What like what are you trying to achieve with GIA?
0: Um. I guess when it, when it originally started, the I, I, I was I always was around construction. You know, literally my entire life. That's what my parents did; they were developers, and I was always around construction sites. And I kind of living amongst it could um, quite easily see how a lot of people get let down in residential. Con- you know, it's just not that organized in a lot of. In a lot of parts of it, you know, you're dealing, like I said earlier, with smaller companies, contractors, um, and there's a lot of guys out there that are just not very professional, you know, and they and they don't they don't do things the right way. So, for me, I thought, um you know, when when we started the business, I, I wasn't necessarily, you know, my, my father taught me a fair bit. He, he had the technical background in, in construction, and I was more maybe entrepreneurial and, and from a business perspective, just wanting to create a really good business that provided a really good service. So for me, it was just, here's our service, which is renovations. Typically it's pretty hard to get a good renovation service because you're going to get mucked around in construction. Our branding and and our whole pitch is that we're basically giving you renovation, but at a really high level service, like you don't have nothing to worry about. So, um, it's all just been built around, you know, professionalism. Um, when a customer looks at a- anything that we present, it should really look like there's nothing to worry about. They know what they're doing, and they're very professional in, in the way that they handle these situations. Um, and yeah, I think it's really important actually to clients when you think about it, like their homes. Like, what what other asset do you have that's more important to you than your home? And you're letting people into your home to renovate. Quite often, you're living in your home. You know, most of our clients live in the home while we're there. Um, do so you really just want random people turning your house upside down and and creating a mess? So it's, um, yeah, that's what it's based around.
1: And and where where do you what do you have like a long term vision or like do you have like a like an overarching goal for what you want GIA to be like where,
0: or where you want it to go? Um, look, yes and no. I feel like I, it it's sort of. Evolves over time, anyway. Like I, I don't really have an an end mm. goal or limit that I see on it. I, I, I like to just constantly be trying to improve and grow. Sometimes that's not necessarily growing the company and making it larger. Sometimes we're you know going through a really busy period and there's a lot of bumpy things that we need to we need to deal with to make things operate smoother. So I'm working on making things smoother. Sometimes it feels like the right time to grow and maybe, you know, take on more employees so we can take on more work, you mm-hmm. know, so then we look at that. Um, I like that we're um, focused on that residential renovation space, doing kitchens and bathrooms, and that I guess we're known for doing home renovations and doing them well. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, you know, like on the one hand, I, I think like it would be nice to maybe do some incredible new builds that a – Custom and this and that, but I also like being really good at what you do and and being known for, for that. So at the moment, I don't really have any goals besides in, always improving our service, improving you know in the in the space that we're in, and just slowly growing organically. You know, we're, we're opening up another a new showroom, which will you know be a bit of growth for us. So um, yeah, just evolves as I go. Right.
1: I mean, it's. um it does seem sort of interesting to me, just as an outside observer. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why the professionalism or, or, you know, or the scale is lesser in smaller, in the smaller renovation sort of space. Mm. But why, why don't you want to take your talents to sort of more traditional architectural construction?
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there's still a lot of room to grow in the industry you know like i I think uh uh if 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 we actually wanted to to just you know recruit more people and take on more jobs the work is there so i just don't want to do that because i think if you do that too quickly it's very hard to um keep your level of service the same if you just you know grow too quickly um so i don't i don't think that there's a lack of work in the in the residential um renovation space you know um so i I don't see it as like a lack of growth i mean i I have to obviously do like you know i've got mates that own construction companies and they do a build that's maybe a couple of million dollars or a few million dollars like i mean that's obviously a lot of bathrooms right so i got to do a lot of bathrooms Mm -hmm. and kitchens to equate Mm -hmm. to that kind of number but it's it is different it's quicker the margins are different like cash
1: flow
0: yeah <laughs> it's it's a very different yeah. um it's a very different model mm-hmm. but uh I, I think I think there's just as much room there um you know to grow maybe not as big sure. as um you know you obviously got guys doing commercial construction and you know like you're not gonna i don't I don't think I shouldn't say you won't but it'd be very difficult to establish a renovation company turning over $100 million or something, right? You'd be doing a lot of What's renovations. on that? <laughs> I was just, yeah. I mean, look, yeah. to be fair, though, like there's like, you know, I think they went under maybe it was Zesta Kitchens or some, right. you know, the ones that were like the really big kitchen reno ones. I mean, they're more like um, cabinet retailers mm. rather than builders like I am. Mm. But, you know, they, they grew pretty substantial businesses that were across every single state. So, yeah. The works there, um,
1: yeah. Um, bit of a selfish question for myself. Could you? So I I started my business two years ago, cabinet kind of making business, and um, you know over time employed more and more people. What does that um, that team building journey look like for you in GIA? So sort of where did you start? Obviously, it was just you. You were on site every day. You were doing the design, and then what was the first step? And then yeah, and then did you bring on five carpenters and realize that oh, I don't want them and that like. Like, what did that look well, like?
0: I mean, I'll tell you how I did it. I don't necessarily think that I'd do it, you know. I think people have probably done it in better ways than I have because I think I'm a little bit old school in terms of just, you know, I, I don't know wrong with wanting to work hard, but I think you also have to work smart. And I, I probably only hide essentially when I actually absolutely had to, when I was at the point where I, I actually couldn't keep up. And I don't know that that's really the best way to do things. I think it's better to probably plan and go, all right, I'll sacrifice a bit of money now, for example, and I'll get another person to help me and then I can focus on the business and et cetera. But like, for example, our first employee happened, you know, I said to you that when we started, I was just essentially the designer, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you probably know this because you're in joinery space. Like when I was going and seeing bathroom clients, originally we only did bathroom renovations, not kitchen renovations, mm-hmm. right? When you're doing a bathroom, although bathrooms are very technical spaces to design, um, I I learned a lot through renovating and and just seeing it happen, and I think I got a pretty good understanding of being able to help people with their designs for bathrooms. Right, like spatially. I don't mean, want to say that I'm a really amazing designer in terms of picking colors I mean, and just like layouts
1: and stuff yeah, like that. You know,
0: and I had enough knowledge to help clients that didn't want these super high end renovations for bathrooms back then. But then more people were asking us that they also wanted their kitchen. You know, like. Doing a bathroom for someone like oh do you do kitchens well why not yeah well, I mean we renovate mm. resident anything that's re- residential really it would just start off in bathrooms so as we grew that started happening more often right and I had uh a, I'm actually still I still do work with this same cabinet maker now um he's a great cabinet maker mm. and I I essentially would basically like sell a kitchen renovation without the design you know I would just yes, we're going to give you a kitchen and it's going to be worth whatever it is. And and it was the cabinet maker that effectively was doing the design with our clients because I don't really – I definitely didn't have any knowledge then about really how to design a kitchen for a client. Um, And we started winning so much work and he just basically said to me, he's like, you actually have to hire a designer Mm -hmm. to do – your kitchen designs because like i'm not a designer like i'm coming to maker and mm. i'm just doing them like like you give me layouts i'll do a
1: shop drawing
0: yeah, yeah. you know i do the shop drawings but i can't be mm. meeting with your clients and bringing samples and working all these things out i didn't even fully understand what i understand today about mm. how how big this design process can be i was just sort of palming it off onto him for that stage um and so he was like i'm not doing it anymore because i just don't have enough time and he actually also suggested for me to speak to someone she actually still works for us today she was our first employee she was the sales person and designer you know mm. um so that's like an example like i, I don't know that it was necessarily i kind of got pushed into hiring someone and it was a great first step because it really opened my eyes as well like for, i went from me running around to quotes all day long Until- every day and every, then doing paperwork well. at yeah, night yeah. and I was doing so many things and I almost wasn't even thinking about what I could do to resolve that and then I hired, right. you know, hired someone. Um. So
1: how, how old were you when you were doing that, by the way, when you first started? So I started the
0: business in my second or third year of uni, which would have been what, yeah, about 20 i was 20 years old Mm. um so i mean i was i was eager to work i was you know really keen to do to do everything but i guess i was still learning did you did you get good grades at uni uh so i was very lucky at uni right i i I, three good mates of mine went to the same uni course as me two of them were exceptionally high achievers Mm. And we had a lot of group work, so mm. uh, I graduated like with honors and and mm. a really good result. Mm. I, I I feel like I have to pay a bit of respect to them because mm. I think they'll say to you like, from the third year, mm. I wasn't. You just, you just weren't there. Not th- not as much as I should have been, or like I was just working in between things. Um, but look, they couldn't sit exams for me, so I would like you know have to find time in the middle of work yeah, to like cram for like fair. a few weeks. I did the exams.
1: exact the exact same thing. I had three mates. We, yeah. i studied construction management yeah that's what I did. and um i was at rmit yeah yeah i was at rmit and uh, they don't do attendance they, i don't know if they
0: did when you were there they didn't do it there were certain things i had to attend but you know like i found my way around to mm. to do it so
1: yeah and, and we we just uh we did it a little bit differently we it up to four subjects submit we did five i think just to push it through mm. and like i'd do one he'd do the other and then we just write each other's yeah. as assignments that's how we got it yeah. done
0: well we we worked together for most things and yeah that like i, I guess i still brought something to the table because at at that time mm-hmm. my dad like my dad now you know he's a business partner effectively and works full time in this business it's very busy but back then i was doing like one bathroom a month or every two months right not enough for him to yeah, for his living right so he he still was doing what he what he used to do which was building building and developing so i had all these sites that i would could go to and i could speak to him so the the other guys in the group had no construction background or anyone so i guess on the one hand i was still pretty useful because you know i had construction sites like people trying to learn things from a textbook i'd get something i would just literally go sit down with my dad and like go oh we're talking about sub floors today or precast. Like, what do you know and like or he'd take me somewhere and we'd like have a conversation about it there so um I brought something to the table no, but yeah huge huge <laughs> advantage
1: i mean same with with my dad i mean he, he's not a build up yeah he, he's a stonemason and a camden maker but um yeah just being able to if i had a question he'd just call one of his builders and they'd help me and whatnot yeah certainly how good is it having dads that can help huh? yeah it's yeah beautiful no
0: he's yeah he's been a he's been a big big help so what, what does
1: he do can i guess what he does in the business yeah sure he um he goes from site to site And he makes sure that everything looks all right.
0: Yeah. that's. I mean, that's what he should do in a perfect role. Mm -hmm. But he's also just the guy that does everything, you know. So, some days he's a (laughs) labourer, some days he's a delivery driver. Yeah. Um, You know, he'll go and check in with things. I mean, he honestly just does whatever needs to get done to make sure we get everything over the line, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, he literally was actually, we're super busy at the moment Mm -hmm. and we just do not have enough. Carpenters, we just can't get enough carpenters with the amount of work that we have. And I mean, he's a carpenter. Mm. That's his background. So he was literally on the tools till eight thirty last night in someone's kitchen, getting it ready for the cabinets that are being installed today. You know, so it varies what he's what mm. he's doing. He just does what what needs to happen to get the job done. That's
1: a that's a beautiful thing. That makes my heart smile because my dad helps me a lot as well. Yeah. You know, I'm a bit younger than you, so I'm still in that very early stage, and it's a huge help. Yeah. What, what are you um? So, onto sort of back onto sort of team building. Yeah, what's what are your thoughts around culture and is that something that you focus on a lot and think about a lot?
0: Yeah, I think it's really important. I think it's really really important. Um, so, or what
1: does it mean to you?
0: Look, I, I think it's really important for everyone just to enjoy coming to work. You know, um, and also especially in our industry, sometimes it's just not. You know, it's not like you're running a Google head office where you've got ping-pong tables and stuff. You know, like, it's sort of like, it, it's it's sort of an old-school industry as well, right? And it's a very stressful industry. Mm. um, And and because we also have that design and construction, like, we've got, like, a design team. You know, like, if you've got, say, an ar- an architect's office, right? Mm. Yes, they work with the builder, but that's just another company that they, a th- they deal very with. Very right?
1: different dynamic.
0: Yeah, here, mm. our designers... Are working in a building company effectively and so they feel the stresses of a building company and it is very stressful you know like day to day like a problem comes up and and everyone's fully invested in the project and you hear something going wrong on site like everyone's panicking about and trying to fix it so it's it can be a stressful workplace um and uh, i think the type of people that we have working they take a lot of accountability and what they do and they take it on themselves to make sure that things are done to a high standard and they feel it when something's not going right and so it's important to have culture so people feel supported it's important to have culture so there's that release you know like we try and do at the end of month you know drinks and and do that together or you know mm-hmm. like order in some food once a week or try and do some fun things like we just did our end of year day where we took half a day and we went to arbor area float and had some drinks together and just you know do fun things that you know, keep everyone, you know, on a on a friend level as well to just enjoy work yeah. as well so it's not just a, a stressful place.
1: Yeah. Something that I, I think about a lot with my guys is what am I doing for them? Like what are their long-term goals and what like what are we helping them achieve? And I suspect with your designers, one big part for them is they're passionate people. They're passionate about bringing something beautiful into this world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that something that you guys are very aware of and are sensitive about?
0: Yeah, um, because
1: you're essentially poaching talent from interior designers and architects, or, or or not poaching, but but somewhat competing for
0: in in the market. Yeah, yeah, essentially. I mean, like if we put up an ad for that, that's you know, yeah, like the people who apply are going to have interior design, yeah. architecture firms on their resume. Um, yeah, look, I guess, um, firstly it's important to us to make sure that the designs so they come up with designs and it's important to us that we bring those to life and we do that to a high standard you know and um you know a builder could take the stance of i've got control of the whole process i'm going to cut corners to make my life easy um my team will probably like if you ask them they know that i always just say well You know, my gauge for things is would I accept it in my own home? You know, like if I look at something and I don't really love the detail of how it's been finished, and it's a pain in the ass to fix, um, and it might be even acceptable. I I think our gauge is just like, you know, we wouldn't. Our approach isn't to like just sneak it through. Be Mm -hmm. all right. We wouldn't accept this in our own home, therefore, it's not acceptable for our clients. I think that's important to the designers that they feel that like we're doing justice to their designs and wanting to Mm -hmm. get a really good outcome um like i i feel like that's almost more important than the drinks and the
1: and sort of building that that relationship and i because that's that's like a fundamental level of respect for what they're trying to create yeah yeah um and, and, and then and then so what about for your construction guys like what what do you think they like what are they like what um like what makes it all worth it for them and, and do, do you think about that
0: uh, well, look, I, th- I think, f- firstly, I mean, back to that culture, like the- we have a close team. So everyone knows each other really well. And as a supervisor, you kind of re- essentially you respect that designer and they've spent a lot of time doing the design and explaining to you how to do it. And y- I think y- you feel responsible to carry out the project and and bring their design to life. Mm. And you want to do the right thing by them and, and and they work together to make that happen. Like when they're doing a project together, you know, they're constantly talking, like, what did you intend on this detail? And and they're doing that. And and as a supervisor, when you get to the end, you see a happy client, your design is also happy, you know. Um, that's that's what they're doing it for. They they want to see the, the good results and they wanna just make sure that everyone's happy, you know, as a as a supervisor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's such a fast paced environment is i mean i i think you guys have to like it might cause them stress at times but it's something that they have, must love you know like having yeah. 20 jobs it's it alone, stressful like it's very like stressful. You, for your construction manager that's um that's a lot of that's a lot of attention being split up a lot of different ways
0: yeah well so, i think you know he's just the construction manager just is available to look at it. At look at all sites, but I mean, he's not essentially solely responsible for them. Mm. Supervisors are allocated, you know, maybe 10 to 12 sites at a time. Mm. Um, and I can tell, you like, right now they are working very hard and they are very stressed, um, because it's just, it's a really tough job, you know, like, there's just so much to do and so much changing daily. mean, mm. like, every single day you have to change whatever you planned the day before. So, um, So firstly, you have to be a certain type to Mm. enjoy that to some degree. Like I I kind of, although it's stressful for me as well, like I do kind of get a kick out of Mm. getting it done, right? So that's not for everyone. Some people don't want a a fast-paced, stressful job and they just want to relax and knock off at four and not think about anything, right? So firstly, I'd like to think people we employ want to be in that environment. They get a kick out of it and you know it can be stressful at times but it's worth it when they get to the end and they've they've achieved it you know like it wasn't easy and they know it wasn't easy but they feel good about getting the job done
1: yeah and and so are you do you feel like you're at that stage where it's you know you've been in the business and you've been in the game for quite a while now um that you sort of don't get too phased or bothered by the stuff that happens on a day-to-day basis anymore or do or do you get pretty stressed as well?
0: It's a hard one to answer. So yeah. I'm a lot better than I was when you were 20 years old. Yeah. I can tell you <laughs> then like things would come up and I mean like think back on it now and I'm like doing one job a month or something compared to what we do now and I, and something would happen and I was heartbroken, you know, like it was like I, I, the stress that I would go through back then and I was so worried that we were going to disappoint a customer or you know, I was like screaming at trades that they had to be there at night or on Sunday, in a nice way. I had very good relationships with trades, but like I, I would literally, you know, just do absolutely anything to not let down a client because it just stressed me out so much. Um, I, I, I think, I still have that, um, I still have that approach now, and I hold very high to make sure that the customers are happy. Um, and I think we go above and beyond to try and achieve that. Uh, but I think I've I've learned to handle the stress a bit better. I still get stressed at times. Mm. but it's it's just little little pieces of understanding that sometimes you know it, it's not going to be 100% perfect and you have to deal with that and you just you're dealing with it just that little bit better. I don't think the stress goes or that you stop caring or trying. You just you just manage that all a little bit better or you understand mm. that a little bit better that it's a bit out of your control you know and you don't have a you know a breakdown because every day things are going wrong and i think my approach now is just just problem solve as quickly as you can and just work out a solution and and just you know communicate and you do all the right things generally speaking a client is is pretty understanding of situations and you usually find a way you know when i think about all these situations where when they first came up and i see this problem i'm thinking almost like it's unsolvable always somehow found a solution i get to come across something that we we haven't solved right so but like sometimes at the start you look and go like we're actually screwed this time like Mm. you know we can't fix this and then Mm. and then you get it done so just you know live
1: and learn i suppose yeah i mean like people pleasing something that i struggled with a lot as well and i still sort of struggle with as i'm learning and going going about this journey yeah so that's if you if you look at sort of from the start to now, what are, what are some of like the biggest learnings or the, the the biggest changes that you've made, biggest improvements, I guess, to your like on a more personal level?
0: Mm. Well, like in relation to people pleasing and, and and that you mean?
1: Oh, well, just just that whole just the journey as an entrepreneur, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, but I think I've just uh, I, I, I was always wanting, you know, when you say people pleasing, I'm thinking about that. Like we would take want to take on effectively any work and always say yes and never want to let anyone down. I think you learn that you need to be a bit more selective and understand what you know, what are your capabilities and, and and use that to your advantage. You know, like that's where you where where you do really well rather than just saying yes to everything and trying to do more than you can and ultimately letting people down. Um, but I feel like when you first get into it, you're kind of you're almost thankful that people give you the opportunity to work or they're thinking of you. And so you want to do bathroom renovations, for example, and you're setting out to do residential bathroom renovations and someone calls you about a commercial bathroom renovation and you're just like, yeah, of course, I can do that, you know, and you go and do it and you don't really know what you're doing and uh you spread yourself too thin. So um I think uh just being selective was an important one and understanding that you know not every job is right for us um better to say no than to let someone down and and just take on too much um and don't grow too quickly you know like it's it's better to to really patience yeah yeah you want to that you want <laughs> you want to grow you know naturally especially at the start you see things moving and you're just like amazing let's just keep on keep on going but there becomes a point where um, it's hard to consistently grow at such a rate, you know, like it's it's really hard to adapt that quickly and adapt a whole business, especially when it just, it's not you anymore. Like I don't know if you experienced it, but maybe when you're, you know, doing things in the early days and it was just you, you, you know, you're always going to maybe care that little bit more or think about things a little bit more or happy to work 24 hours a day if you need to. But like you can't expect staff to work at night and saturday sunday like i've got amazing staff and i'm very thankful for them and i think they're unbelievable but you know fair enough that they don't sit there every single night monday to friday and saturday and sunday answering emails like i might do if i need to or, or doing stuff right so as you scale and you have more people they're not 10 business owners or 20 business owners like they're still a business owner and the responsibility falls on your head and and they're You know employees hopefully really really good employees that support you but it becomes harder to to just keep going at the same rate because you start to deal with more people that'll do different things with different capabilities yeah
1: what what uh were there any specific challenges with sort of going from two employees to four employees to eight employees was that were there any challenges
0: or big hurdles along that that journey yeah, you know, I mean, just just the process of going from those, like just finding those people mm-hmm. in itself was the really big hurdle at first. Like it's such a, a specific industry, it is, um, yeah. you know, like from every aspect, like where tr- you try and get design people and uh, – for example, someone who's an awesome interior designer or awesome architect who've been working at an interior design firm or architecture firm, like they're walking into a different world when they come to us. Like they've never gone out to sell a job. You know, like an interior designer that sat in an office with 25 designers around a table looking at mood boards and then going off on a massive project is very different to a designer going out on their own to someone's house and talking to mum and dad about their new kitchen, for example. And then the amount of times we were hiring people on the construction side and we're getting People who've worked on big projects or um, new builds, again, like custom renovations, high-paced custom renovations with these smaller jobs and doing a lot of them, really hard to find people that are right for that and want to do that. So, um, yeah. Firstly, actually finding the people. Secondly, culture is really important, but it's something you got to fight for, and and it's hard to maintain um, good culture in. A highly stressful industry, um, so it's something that's important to me. But you know, at at times there are difficult times. Like you've got a designer panicking about something, and a site supervisor panicking about something because they've maybe made an error or promised something that they can't do. And so you, you're managing a lot of feelings and emotions. People are getting pretty stressed in a workplace together. That's that's pretty difficult. And the more people you have, and the more different personalities you've got. Um, more things happen you know it's like you're throwing all these people in with a lot of stressful situations like there's not always going to be just smiling days like sometimes there's there's some pretty difficult situations and and something else, another thing that you have to deal with yeah. yeah yeah so your so your
1: role in that is to number one steer the ship sort of on a on a macro level make sure that the culture is going in the right direction yeah. and also sort of be that bridge between Uh, whether it's interpersonal conflict or uh, when someone is behaving in a way that is not aligned with that macro direction for the culture. Yeah. And your job is to make sure that.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I think uh, anything like that would generally come through me just because I provide a lot of support to the design team and a lot of support to the construction team. So although they speak to each other, I am – I am – I am there in the middle of it as well. You're deep in the operational day-to-day. And especially if there's something that's an issue, it's going to come past me pretty quickly. So um, I guess especially if it's an issue that design and construction are struggling to resolve together, it's going to come through me because one of them is going to basically say, Ilan, you know, design did this or construction did this and it's not okay type of thing, you know, and so I can see that something's happening. So you know and i i guess i'm, I'm aware that those things happen and that some situations are just difficult and that people are dealing with these emotions and so yeah you know it's important to me to make sure that um i resolve them resolve them in the right way so that we've got good culture and just can keep moving yeah forward
1: would you have any advice for cuz there's a lot of sort of kitchen bathroom reno guys out there um What's, your, I guess, what's, do you have any advice? Like, I've got a great man who actually was one of the guys I went to uni with. Right. And he's a kitchen bathroom builder now. Okay. Um, Competitor. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's going to crush you, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is podcast,
0: but you can't let him hear any of the secrets.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll block him. But I'll block his IP. Right. Um, and so, I I mean, I, we talk a lot about sort of business development for, for his company and sort of how he should be positioned. Positioning his product and and whatnot. Yeah. What like do you, do you have any advice for guys like that? Like, how, what should they be thinking about? Or, um, I guess I mean you could say I'll oh, offer a design service, but that's a pretty hard thing yeah. to just.
0: Well, I mean, I guess I, I think it just comes back to deciding who you are as a company, and then building your service around that. You know, because like for our example, when I started. I was building it around that I wanted to pro- provide this, you know, like I said, the red carpet service, like this really high-end service of renovating where there was nothing to worry about for the client. Now, not everyone wants to do that. And so me wanting to do that is what led us into having the design service and all these mark. you know, like it, that's what built what we are. Someone else might, um, for example, only want to do kitchen renovations or only want to do the kitchen cabinets in a kitchen renovation. And they might want to, approach it more as a tradie for example i might not have dreams of having five salespeople in a team and then they're not going to go down that road so i think i think at at the core it all starts with like what is your service offering you know what are you ultimately trying to do like you may not start there but i guess if you know where, you, where you're heading then then you can kind of build build around that to to offer the service because there's so many takes on it like you know just because ours maybe is the the higher end version of renovations for example doesn't mean that we make more money or something than someone who's doing budget renovations yeah. right like it, it that's not always the case it's just that's what we do um so it's not like we're the the beacon of you know the, the top mm. and and there you, you you do better there so i think it's just deciding what it is that you're going to offer
1: yeah do you um we don't have to talk about this, but do you see any other players in the market that are doing things that you really like that you think offer a great product?
0: Um, Look, I think, uh, you know, our our biggest competitor and they're probably the biggest in really in our space is Smarter Mm -hmm. Bathrooms and Kitchens. They're another company. They're based out of Port Melbourne. Um, And look, I, I don't actually know, you know, on the one hand i know a lot about them because they're our mm. com- competitor right? i don't know that what mm. they do um but it's not like i've renovated with them or mm. or anything like that i know that they're bigger than us and um you know it it takes skill and you got to know what you're doing to build a team that big in that space and they've built a, a much bigger team than us and they've been doing it for a long time so um i don't uh I don't know really any specifics that they do to be able to kind of like mm. look up to what they're doing, but I, I always like knowing mm. that, hey, there's someone else doing what I'm doing and they've got mm. five times the amount of staff as me because that tells me that the market's there.
1: So then just a little bit of fun, okay, just from a purely fun, like business is a game, fun, yeah. competitive kind of way, yeah. what are you going to do to crush them?
0: What am I going to do to crush them?
1: Purely Um, fun, competitive business talk. Not not trying to hurt their 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 living or their families, (laughs) but what are you going to do to crush them?
0: Well, look, I mean, realistically, we Mm. compete on a lot of jobs, you know, because clients will tell us like, hey, you know, like if you're getting a kitchen renovated or a bathroom renovated, there aren't that many people that Mm. just go and get one quote and (laughs) say, oh, here's fifty grand, like, Mm. and you know, or or they were planning to spend thirty, and the first quote came through is fifty. You're probably going to get another quote and check is Mm. my bathroom actually going to cost fifty grand? You know, so, and because we do very similar, like as a business, we're very similar that we both have design and we're both builders and we do the whole process from start to finish, we do end up competing against each other, I'd say, you know, fairly often for jobs. So um, there's nothing that I can actually do to, to, you know, crush them or, or take, take their business. I mean, we're just constantly trying to improve on what we do and, you know, like we go into a a quote or a consultation with a the client, they may have seen them two days before, and you know, I'd like to back in our designers that they're awesome and that they say the right things and they're really relatable and they get on with the client. Like some, they will get on with some people, and maybe some people will mm-hmm. like the other person more. So, like, it's sort of, um, it's there's not that much you can really do Mm -hmm. you know besides trying to improve on your product but even then it's like um until someone's worked with you they don't know that your product's good it's not like you can go online like we've got a lot of positive reviews and they've got a lot of positive reviews so i think Mm -hmm. if someone went and did some research about us they wouldn't really be able to tell that differently between the two it's kind of like if you go online and you want to pick a tv and you go and read the reviews for an lg and a sony and both of them on like jb have got 150 reviews each Mm. and one's 4.9 and one's 4.8. Where does it leave you? Well, this is where I I have a thesis around this. Yeah. Um, I
1: believe brand is a variable. Yep. So you spoke about sort of how does your designer get on with the client? How does whatever. I think consumers make decisions in a very irrational way, far less rational than they would like to. Mm. I mean, I'm a consumer as well and I buy shit for really stupid reasons. (laughs) Yeah. So like – i th- i think brands are variable i think i think um because someone's heard you on uh the gia podcast which you're going to start and they've heard you say that you uh that your football team is do you do you follow for carlton. carlton that you're a carlton supporter they are an arbitrary amount more likely to go with gia just because mm-hmm. you're a carlton supporter i think that's yeah. just how we behave like I would choose Samsung over LG because Samsung sponsors a
0: UFC fighter that I like. Yeah.
1: For example, I think it's, it's, but do you uh, think
0: you do that? Like you knowingly do that or, or you're just saying, because you've come up with this theory, you're saying you think unknowingly you would do that. Well, I, I, I mean, I've definitely subconsciously, but
1: I, I like to think I'm, a, I'm very passionate. I'm very interested in sort of consumer behavior and, mm-hmm. and branding and marketing. So I like to analyze how, how I make decisions, yeah. but I've, of course,
0: I make decisions subconsciously. Yeah. So I think it may it plays a big part as well. But when I look at this ch- comparison specifically, like us and them, mm. we're both very professional companies, I'd like mm. to think. I think we both paint that picture pretty well. Mm. And that's important through your marketing. Whereas if, like, your local tradie that's just in the back of the newspaper, like, they're obviously not painting that picture mm. as well as we are. So um, – so I would argue that that becomes the baseline.
1: So let's just let's just assume that their product and your product are the same. Right. So if if you're both the same if you're if the quality of your product is eighty or or or, or say ninety, mm. then that becomes zero because that's that's the baseline, mm. and then any little bit above that gives you the edge. Yeah, like that becomes the homo- like as much love and as much work you've put into your product, so that it's not just like any other newspaper. While from Renault. yeah, unfortunately, in this competitive environment, it becomes yeah.
0: homogenous. And, and I and I think in our space, particularly, like a big factor is going to be price, mm. right? Because um, it's there's a lot of variables in what we do, so I, I think that the price is a big thing. Because like going back to the TVs, right? Mm. If they're the same spec TV and they're top tier brands, you know, like Sony and LG, Mm. for example, or Sony and Samsung, their pricing should be fairly comparable, Mm. right? Like they're all pretty competitive. Um, When it comes to renovating or just building in general, I mean, you probably know this from maybe submitting tenders or stuff. You might've you know, put in a quote to do joinery for a new build Mm. and you're being told you've lost a job over 30 grand or something. Mm. And you're thinking like, that's a lot of money, like how? And maybe the other guy's losing money, you know, and they just haven't costed yeah. it correctly, right? Every job gets costed separately. And I'm sure some jobs we screw up and we potentially just under-allow, like when you're quoting that many jobs and sometimes mm. you overallow. over-allow. So although they're, we're quoting the same job, I'm guessing quite a lot of the time our pricing is actually pretty different because we mm. just see it differently. You know, maybe we're both quoting a job in the CBD, mm. um, which is a pain in the ass to work in, you know,
1: Mate, but we do it suck.
0: and we yeah. you know, we might go, oh, all right, we're going to allow this much because all the guys have to do parking and it's going to take extra time and this and this, you know, but maybe they've got a different formula for that. Like maybe they're just like saying, all right, well, we're working off a 50% margin if we're in the CBD because we don't want those jobs, you know, for example. So I think price when you start, especially because these things are such expensive things and if a yeah. c- consumer sees like, am I saying 45 grand or 35 grand, that makes a big difference. Um. Yeah, price is one of the things. I think that that we, we market pretty well that we do custom stuff. Um, and I think as you get the company bigger and bigger, people might think that there's less um there's less ability to custom. Well, well, I think
1: I think like just the market that you're operating, it's just hard to access the type of custom stuff that you guys might offer. Like just looking at some of the kitchens you guys have done. Mm a client would really struggle to go to five cabinet makers and get a quote for that kitchen especially if they don't have a design in in hand yeah and how do they even get that design like how do they even get something detailed up like that yeah and it'd be so hard to get an an architectural cabinet maker to look at a series of inspirational pictures and a rough description of what the space is and offer a price or even be bothered looking at it yeah so so I think that's that's definitely a huge selling point. Mm, yeah, like it's not just that you do it custom; it's that you give access to custom.
0: Yeah, I never really thought about that. I would have thought that, um, I guess I think some cabinet makers probably try and offer that level of custom, but they they can't really do it the way that we do it, just because. Oh, look, I guess also the consumer probably just doesn't really understand the, you know, remember the difference in in that you know because they're just not educated at a retail level necessarily at what the difference is and what they're getting um,
1: I, I think it's i think some i mean there are cabinet makers like i mean um Leo uh touchwood offer a great design and construct service he's actually
0: done a job for us a while ago he's a good cabinet maker
1: but he puts a lot of effort and love and passion into that design mm. and that and and he has the, he has designers working for him as well mm. and he's a Super nerd when it comes to engineering and cabinet making <laughs> and stuff.
0: So like, i remember being in the showroom and showing me all of his gadgets and different things that he had custom yeah, built 3D and printer his, and shit like that. Yeah, really passionate about it. Yeah,
1: and- but that that that's a that's a pretty specialized, in my opinion, it's a pretty specialized kind of yeah niche product as well. Yeah. um So I yeah I would still contend that you guys give give access to 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 custom or to a level of custom detail that just wouldn't. You know, you might not go. You might only be, only you might say, get seventy five percent to full blown architectural, mm. but that's still thirty percent better than what, yeah, what they'd be able to achieve otherwise. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, that no, does. <laughs> um, was there anything else that you that you wanted to talk about? Or obviously, you got a new showroom opening, and yeah, I mean, what's the thought process behind that?
0: Um, I mean, like, firstly, we've outgrown our place where we are now we've been there for quite a while and we just literally we don't have any more office space Mm. so technically like unless we tell people to just work from home and we hire them which isn't a whole lot of fun we can't really Mm. get more people and our showroom is just small Um, and i think it was always you know an ambition of mine to get into into that area like we're, we're building a we're building our own brand new building on high street in armadale so it's a nice spot it's our building we're building it from scratch for us um so it was just you know also a goal of mine to create this amazing workplace for our staff to go to and for our clients to use because you know at the moment we've got this small showroom that's split between showroom and office on a single floor and now we've got a three-story building that's got showroom selection areas and offices so it's um pretty epic place so you're building a like a commercial like an office building essentially we knocked down a building and started from scratch and built a three-story building right and it's all ours that's pretty cool yeah where's it at right now well hopefully the staff are going to be starting there in jan so wrapping up yeah nice we started it um we started it like almost two years ago now and then covid happened and you know there was just a few delays relating with that and just with the build in general so what was meant to be a 12 month project has almost become a 24 month project um but i guess because we're building it for ourselves and we've got to, you know we're busy doing other things it hasn't always been at the very top of the priority list like we do have a workplace to work from and our priority is getting stuff done for our customers and this last part, just because some of the stuff we're doing there, is just so complicated and custom. I saw that tacky. reception.
1: Yeah. I saw it. Yeah. With the inlays and stuff. Yeah, I saw that. I think Stonemason
0: wanted to kill us. So I saw, I saw
1: his story. I follow him as well. I saw, I saw
0: that. Yeah. I so he, it, yeah. he spent a lot of time creating that reception. And then, like, even the desk that goes behind that is curved and, like, every was, there, was there inlay leather in there as well or did I remember wrong? No leather? No leather. <laughs> I don't think there is. Our designers put a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. But yeah. Like I mean, like we've got you know, as you walk in, like a moss wall from ground floor to the second story through a void, and then there's all this mm-hmm. custom reception area and um, like the kitchen. The kitchen display on the ground floor is all out of porcelain with like you know curved benches. All the doors and drawers have got six mil porcelain inlaid into the actual doors and drawers. So. Um, nothing was really done I we kind of created a space to show almost customers like what 's possible like I think a lot of the stuff you know is budget dependent so a lot of the stuff clients would just go that 's not for us but they can now come through our showroom and it's kind of hard to really convince a client to go and spend all this money on something that 's super custom if they can 't even see it like it's almost like it's it's a good inspiration place to have like they're seeing these like incredible spaces like we've built like a full kitchen two full kitchen displays that are pretty funky and they can come in and go you know like wow and inspires them to want that in their home rather than just showing them stuff so yeah that's that's probably the main thing that's going on for us at the moment just get this place up and running move the team to armadale you know it's going to be a huge change for the business hopefully just culture wise like being in armadale there's the vibe around that as well like we're on the pain highway in bentley at the moment with a couple of motorbike stores next to us so it's not like you can even like walk outside and grab a coffee whereas now you're in the heart of armadale so like just from mm-hmm. you know like a culture and a workplace perspective like that's an awesome upgrade for the team um awesome facilities for the team to show clients things and hopefully it'll just also grow the business as well you know like having another location we're not closing the other location so we'll have that as well Mm. so hopefully that'll grow the business a little bit yeah
1: what are you guys um thinking about in terms of content strategy and what because obviously i'm sure instagram has been huge for you guys um but i suspect you've seen engagement go down and or not over the last few years
0: yeah a lot actually so i mean i don't manage it ourselves we've got someone that looks after it for us but we did have a meeting last week Mm -hmm. i started this week um yeah last week i think to just discuss basically fresh ideas on how to change up our content because the engagement has gone down a fair bit i mean
1: can i I give some ideas sure i think you should do tiktok right i think you should do instagram reels yeah i think you should start a podcast and do lots of clips from the podcast
0: i just take this and Chop it up into (laughs) yeah, but
1: but of course you can. But I, but I, I think I think TikTok is
0: fucking serious, man. Yeah, but like, what sort of stuff on TikTok would be doing?
1: Um, I think you need to spend time consuming on TikTok, like as much as you don't want to. Yeah, Um, you need to spend time like, like watching stuff on there and seeing, getting a getting a feel for what what that media environment is like. Yeah, Um, but I think your very visual stuff. Actually, um, MJ Harris are doing some really good like instagram real TikTok style i think content.
0: we did we've done like a couple now because we did have some videos that like mm. not consistently you know enough
1: to be posted. how many years our, ago did you start your instagram account a long time like ago. seven eight years ago, yeah was, yeah and that that engagement running up to like 2012 13 14 would have been crazy yeah um
0: the that- numbers used to be massive like we've got a big account now but yeah even like engagement like the numbers that we had like two three years ago were you know massive compared to
1: um actually i'm curious have leads gone down as well from instagram um
0: look we don't really try to get to we don't really focus on getting leads from instagram to be Mm -hmm. honest i i I look at it more as a a brand awareness thing awareness yeah um because i find when we did try and get leads like when we actually ran like lead gen campaigns through Instagram or something like that. Like like click throughs to um, yeah. landing pages and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the they were exceptionally low quality. I,
1: I don't I don't fuck with lead gen at all. Yeah. I I, th- I think brand awareness is everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think uh it's you know what we're selling isn't like a quick buy, right? Like it's not like oh this ad is a cool t-shirt let's buy it. it's 30 bucks like you're talking about like probably the largest amount of money that people are going to spend on anything right mm. like our renovations could be 50 grand 100 grand 200 grand. like you don't just do that quickly and you think about it and you spend a lot of time on it so um we we don't really even try and get leads like we do get some through but we don't that's not what we're there for i think it's for brand if people we to see what we do and they spend a bit of time researching it's some um, um,
1: building relationship at scale sort of
0: over yeah. time And I I do think, and when I started, when I got into it originally, like a good mate of mine runs an agency and he looks after our Instagram now. Um, But when we originally started, I guess like, you know, I mean he didn't charge me a lot anyway, but I wasn't really, like back then I didn't even really understand what it was going to be, to be honest. Uh, All I I remember just saying was like, I know it's going to be important and I feel like. You know, I can't in ten years decide that I want a hundred thousand followers yeah. tomorrow, right? I got to start doing it now. Yeah. So we just start doing it, and I guess I think it brings a level of professionalism when people come and see that we've got a hundred thousand followers. Or, yeah. or I shouldn't say that because we don't almost a hundred thousand. They're promises. Just saying, it.
1: bro. Who gives a shit?
0: <laughs> um, You know, and like it's it it is impressive compared to going on an account that's got two and a half thousand followers, right? Yeah. It's like we've invested that time. Is and that a personal into- attack?
1: Because I got two and a half thousand. <laughs> like.
0: So 1,200 is no good, to an hour. Okay, right. yeah, I like that. Um, you know, uh, yeah. So, but yeah, we're definitely looking at that. And I think um, even like before COVID really hit, I was already, again, chatting to some videographers about creating some fresh content. You know, I think it's on our minds that we really need to create more content and video Mate, content I, that we I can don't,
1: use. I don't understand. I think there's a very unique opportunity. Actually, this is mine. Scrap all that. Like this is number one. Yeah. Like all that applies, but this yeah. is number one. Is why don't you hire a kid for sixty grand a year to just film everything?
0: Yeah, I've considered it
1: to be honest because I've tried to like tell follow our you guys. around. Like you can go around with you. You can go around with your supervisors. Go around with your designers. And him on a forty-hour week, it'd be an absolute demon.
0: Yeah, I've 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 almost considered it because I've tried to like get our guys to like say to our supervisors, you know. When you rock up on site, just get a video of this and like you get back. I don't want to. It's not their job, so I'm not speaking badly. But like I send through some garbage sometimes, right? Like it's like a dirty site. Call uh, them out. Uh, Who is it? Is it Mitch or is it?
1: <laughs> no, yeah,
0: they're fine. Like, well, uh, actually, our operations manager is mm. a gun at taking photos and videos, mm. and so he he does that for us mm. here and there. annuals but like he doesn't really have the time to be doing it, to yeah. be honest, you know. But he he likes to get out and see things, but. Um,
1: The reason I say that is because it's again going back to what do you have to offer that person who you're trying to hire? Yeah, and I think you've got a lot of quality content Mm. and you've got this atmosphere and this team that 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 they can create from. I think and I think that's so. Who am I
0: hiring? What's what's the ad look like?
1: Junior. Um, I think the ad is
0: like,
1: it's like, hey, I'm Alan. I run GIA Renovations. We do, you know, awesome renovations. Here's some of our work. Boom, 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 boom. Mm. Five seconds. Uh, We're looking for someone to document uh, using videos, pictures, written word, uh, our process and show us in the most authentic light Mm. uh, and repurpose that content for all the social platforms.
0: And who, what's this person's background? Like, are they still in uni? They I think it's like, uni or, or, they can't still be in uni because they can't work full time for me. So they've just finished something. And what, have, what have they just finished? Media or something? I think
1: fresh out of I think fresh out of high school is good as well. Even like, if there's a kid fresh out of high school who just grew up watching, like, playing Minecraft and watching Logan Paul and like <laughs> doing that, and right. like just really in that space. Yeah. I think. I mean, that I, I don't have that scale, you know. Mm. I'm a company with four employees, and you know what? Like, I don't have that scale to be able to, yeah, to be able to afford something like that. Mm. Nor do I have the breadth or the quantity of of work or content. But mm. like twenty sites at twenty sites at a time. Let's just say fifteen sites at a time. There is so much content there. There's so and, much content. And you think
0: there. paying someone full time, you're getting value for money, like return on your investment? There, you're oh, going to get a lot of content. brand
1: brand awareness pays for itself. You know, high quality brand awareness pays for itself in. Like when I first started this business, I I had six grand. Mm. I put it. I I had ten grand. I spent five grand on the logo, and then I had. And then I had. So I had eleven grand. And then I I, six grand. I split up that six grand. Three grand I paid a fifteen year old Mm. kid to run at Facebook ads for me, (laughs) and the other three grand I spent on the ads itself. Yeah, and I ran all lead gen. Yeah, and I got leads because I really needed leads to. Kick this off, yeah, and it worked. But then I, when I switched over to brand awareness, it was just next level, mm. like just the level of the quality of leads. For example, the, the 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 amount of leads. I think brand awareness is like. I honestly believe that what's gonna what's gonna allow you to crush whatever smarter whatever they are mm. is that, with all respect to them, just in a mm. competitive fun, like business is a game like sports nice kind of win. way, is I I think brand awareness
0: yeah. All right, I don't mind the idea. I'll look into it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, might get you to write the ad for me. That, and that's I'm, something who that, I'm looking to hire. Yeah,
1: that's something that I personally have a lot of conviction around. It's because it's what I believe in. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's what. No, look, I, I, I agree. You know, I just don't know whether I've thought into it enough to go and hire someone full time. But like, I think if I probably looked into it more, there'd be a very good, very good case for it. I mean, you. Like just think
1: about from the mind of like an eighteen or a twenty-one year old mm. doesn't matter, like they could be in per, like sixty k like that's a it's not a great wage but it's a living wage like they can afford to live yeah.
0: so they, I mean, that's for an entry level into most industries like I mean that's not like way off really
1: no yeah no it's good yeah because the, the value in it for them isn't it's that you're gonna give them twenty grand to buy the best gear with and that they're gonna have a lot of material to shoot. And they're going to be able to build a build a brand like that's the main and then the 60k Probably is just a fun workplace as well yeah so. e- exactly and and the 60k is just like all right i can pay rent and i can go have drinks every second week like mm. that's that's all that is those are the days good good job <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean create that for create for that kid in perth who
0: because nothing's happening in perth they <laughs> needs wanna, to get out of there yeah exactly we tend to attract interstate talent as well so um, we've got we've got a few interstate people working for us so yeah maybe that's the I put up an ad in all other states
1: yeah I mean I'd, I'd get video, like like that's what I did when I was hiring tradesmen. is I got a videographer to make uh, a video talking about what our values are as a company and sort of who we're looking for mm. and the premise was if you align with our values and hit us up mm. that's and then just ran ads against that video so I think
0: good words of wisdom
1: if you want to fire your videographers say hey i've got this final project for you and do it that way
0: yeah all right cool
1: should we leave it there that's sounds good I think that was a good chat that's an hour and a bit yeah hey thanks so much for your time i really appreciate it. i mean this is december 8th yeah which is like crazy epic. time yeah so thank no, you thanks and, for having me on it's been a pleasure thank you and continued success i, I mean i've been i i've been admiring from afar i'll continue to do so and.
0: Um yeah, I'll have to continue the conversation and I'll hit you up to consult on my job ads to get them right. <laughs> Mate, I'm a-
1: listen to the professionals, don't listen to me. Thank
0: you. Continue success. Thank Thanks. you, thank you.